so glad you guys could join me here at Venice Beach on the edge of the beautiful Pacific Ocean. You should be standing by the stairs that go up to the skate park's observation deck. There's a lot of foot traffic here, so stand near the railing. It's quite a spot, right? There are palm trees and sand all around you. Most tourists come here for the beach or the boardwalk shops, but I'm gonna show you my Venice. It's got a vibe and energy unlike any other. My name is Eric Tuma Britton. I'm a professional skateboarder. I, I grew up skating right here on this beach. The skate park is Venice Beach. This is a great place to start because like Venice Beach, skateboarding is full of energy. Come on, let me show you guys around. Head up the stairs to that observation deck. Start walking along the railing to the right. Stop in a good spot on the railing where you can see all the action. When you come to the park, if you're not a skater or you're not on your board, I'd suggest you just stay out of the skateboard area. Don't walk into where there's boards flying, you know? You get hit by a skateboard sometimes, it's about as bad as getting hit by a car, okay? Rule number two, there's a railing that goes all the way around the skate park. Don't let your kids stick their head through the railing and play on that railing, you know, because it's an open rail. There's nothing to protect the skateboard going from the skater's feet to your child's face or something like that. So, you know, be aware. This is called a snake run. The reason we call it a snake run because if you look at a view from above, it looks like a snake coiled up. And as you see people going by, what they're doing is carving and going in and out of the pockets and doing big carves around the pockets. You know, my favorite thing about having a snake run, it, it helps you develop style because it teaches you to turn and flow and to use your body. Look at how they're turning, they're smooth, they're just flowing up and down like they're riding waves. Venice was founded on surf culture. It's in our DNA. Back in the 60s and 70s, surfers flocked here to ride those waves we see just past the skate park. So skateboarding comes from surfing. Skateboarding started because the waves are flat. So what they did was they ripped handles off of box scooters and they rode them like surfboards. Watch for a trick called an ollie. It's where a rider pops the back of the tail and jumps in the air with his board. You might also see some grinds. It's where a person slides along a rail or hits coping, which is at the top of a pool, with the trucks just in between their wheels. You drop in and you ride up the wall and it makes a really amazing sound. That's a part of living on the edge. It has been for me my whole life down here in Venice, you know? Surf, skate, and grind pools. So I've always lived my life on the edge, you know? You want to get good at skateboarding? You have to live on the edge at pretty much all times. And there are some serious risks involved because you're always gonna get hurt. There's no if, it's just when. It's just part of it, you just go. I think that's a part of my life, part of living, you know what I mean? Just like, I'm living on the edge. Okay, so now you guys, we're gonna walk around the skate park to your right over here. We're going over to the other section of the skate park where the bowl is. It looks like a backyard pool, but it's designed for skateboarding. And we call it a bowl because it's just a big open pit. So when you spot a concrete bench over here, you could stop. It has two big knobs on it, and there might be some people sitting or standing on those benches so they can get a better view of the action. All right, guys, you should be standing in front of a skate bowl that looks like a pool. This bowl is part of a legacy. In the mid-1970s, a drought brought water restrictions to California, so everybody had to drain their pools to save water. It wasn't long before our skaters discovered the curvy cement walls of these bowls. So it has regular coping, and it has tiles like a swimming pool would. And if you notice the tiles, there's a logo for each of the companies that came from this neighborhood. 
there's a Z on the tile, and that's the logo for Z-Flex. The Z-Boys, the ones who created it all, the ones who brought extreme skating, they brought that cutting edge into the world of skateboarding. Venice is what created that extremism, that extreme mentality for skateboarding because of situations people grew up in here. In the 70s and 80s, because of the artists, the violence, the gangs, the way they came, their style was unlike anything else, really. Born and bred from the ghettos in Venice. It's like survival. So look at the black tiles. You have the Dogtown logo. The unforgettable cross that says Dogtown in it. Local skate company that I used to ride for when I was younger. I moved to Santa Monica when I was 10 years old. And my dad said, don't ever go down to Venice. You know I was already skating by then, so the first thing I did was rebellious. I came down to Venice. It was perfect for me. There wasn't too many young black kids skating in the early 80s and the 90s like I was. You know, the image of skateboarding back then, it was considered a white guy activity. And some guys would say to me, homie, what are you doing? I wanted to be in Venice, I wanted to be skateboarding, and I wanted to be around these guys that were breaking barriers. You know, nobody was really doing it then. It was still looked at as an outcast sport. Now it's going to the Olympics, you know? So a lot has changed. We're gonna walk around the bowl to the backside of the skate park that's close to the beach. All right, guys, we're gonna keep walking with the railing on your left. Follow it around to the back of the skate park. Stop when you get to the edge of the observation deck. I hope you get a good spot so you can see the street-like obstacles in this section. Back here is a section for street skating. If you don't know what street skating is, well, in the 70s, there was nothing but skate parks. But when people started suing in the 80s, because skating was considered hazardous, all the skate parks shut down. There was nowhere for skaters to go. So skaters started because we're skaters and we really want to do it no matter what. You know, it's in our blood. We took to the streets. So we started skating curbs. We started making little banks and we would go ride those banks and pretend like we were surfing. And so street skating became anything that was on the street. So it's an art form, you know? The world is our canvas. The city is our canvas if you're a street skateboarder. Now take your time and start making your way back to where we started at the skate park stairs. So walk back with the railing on your right. I'm taking you to the spot where all the magic happened for me, where I actually really learned how to street skate. Weave your way through the crowds until you get back to the stairs. I really pay homage to those guys who stuck it out in skateboarding in this neighborhood and was able to pass it down to myself, the third generation. I've skated professional, I turned pro in 91. Now I'm at the point where I'm teaching kids. And I have a son of my own. His name is Taj. So that's number four generation of Z-Boys. This neighborhood is the Z-Boy Dogtown neighborhood. So you're walking on some historical ground here. I also do a lot of lessons here. Just happenstance, a friend of mine asked me to teach his kid about nine years ago. And I started teaching and it turned into a full business, you know. People like me, I'm able to give back. It's a very rewarding job. Okay, you should be back where we started at the stairs to the entrance of the skate park. Let's walk down the sidewalk to your left, to that first big graffiti-covered cone structure. Stop when you get there. See, back in the 1980s, there was no skate park here. Instead, there was just a giant public pavilion built in the 60s on this beach. They would actually sometimes have summer concerts in the outside pavilion. It had a huge barbecue pits and smokestacks, which are the cones you see right up ahead with the graffiti. But in the 1980s, the pavilion got really run down and the city stopped doing concerts there. 
So the locals took it over. We made it a skate park and a canvas for graffiti artists and it became home for the homeless folks. Are you at the big graffiti cone structure? Look down at the sand under your feet. You're basically standing on top of one of the old barbecue pits. That cone to your left is the chimney that the artists turned into a graffiti canvas. So what happened to the pavilion? In 2000, the city wanted to clean up this place. So they tore down some of the pavilion and buried the rest under the sand. If you had stairs or you dug out all the ground around these smokestacks, you would have to walk down five feet to be where the pavilion was. Community artists and activists rallied to save these remnants. They're like gravestones for the old pavilion. Cross the mini sidewalk and walk onto the sand towards those graffiti walls. Take a look at your phone. See what this place used to look like back then. Just below your feet are the benches that I do grinds on as a kid. This was my skating heaven, pretty much. Venice, man, this place is like, it brings it. There's a portal here. This is the vortex. It's very enticing. It's exciting. It's that edge, you know? Feel free to walk out onto the sand and explore while I'm talking. But don't stray too far, and always, don't block people using the sidewalk. I've seen people come here and it eats them up really fast, that edge. They fall off that edge and they can't get, seem to get back, you know? There was a woman and she lived here in the pavilion and everyone called her the sea hag. We would all have messed with her, you know, being the kids we were. And she would always cuss at us and tell us to leave and things like that and tell us that her husband owned the pavilion. And the cops never mess with her. The cops mess with every other homeless person but this woman. I kind of wonder if her family really did own the pavilion, you know what I mean? She used to wear nothing but this fur coat, that's it. She would never have clothes underneath, but she would always have one of us go get her food or something and buy us food at the same time. She was loaded, money all the time on her. I, I don't often think about her, but as I take you on this tour, it kind of brings up those days, wow. People always ask me, what is this about Venice that draws outsiders and crazies? and people who are always pushing the edge. In the next half an hour or so, I'll take you into the center of the Venice Vortex. We'll see and meet all kinds of outsiders, skaters, artists, techies, bodybuilders, and even a man who walks on glass. So come with me and let's head into the Vortex. So head away from the ocean on the sidewalk. We're heading toward the boardwalk. Cross the bike path when it's safe. The bike path is 22 miles long built in 1971, and it brought people into Venice that wouldn't normally have gotten here. Be careful, make sure you guys look both ways, you know. You will see a lot of people walking on this bike path, but please don't walk on it, okay? Unless you want to get run over. After you've crossed the path, turn left. Walk on the small sidewalk between the two palm trees to your right. The cement area to your left is where they did all the disco roller skating. They'd have their music and everyone would dance, and it was always a lively scene. Stop at the end of the path and step onto the grass to your left for a minute. Face the direction of the skate park and look at the circular cement area in front of you. As a kid, I saw them doing that all the time. We'd come down here every single day. They were a fixture just like I was on my skateboard down here in Venice. Now just imagine the scene. Everyone was in really colorful outfits and short shorts and a lot of girls in tiny, tiny bikinis skating all around. Skating backwards, doing the splits, boogie into that disco beat. 
and then you had the roller skaters that would only race through cones. You know, they'd see how many cones they could line up and go as fast as they can and see if they can zigzag in between the cones, in and out of the cones, and, you know, get the fastest time. And it was a heyday for roller skating, that's for sure. All right here in Venice. It was cool. Okay, now let's walk away from the skate plaza and toward the boardwalk. Follow the pavement and look to your right as you walk. Up on the side of the tall building, it's the famous blue Venice Kinesis mural by Rip Kronk. It's a parody of an Italian Renaissance painting called The Birth of Venus by Botticelli. <laughs> it has all kinds of Venice Beach icons painted on it. Look closely, it's got a flying skateboard in it. See it at the top of the mural? See, artists too are sucked into the vortex. This place is their canvas. Venice is one of the public art capitals of the world. See how many more murals you can spot on your walk today. Cross the boardwalk and we'll continue walking up the right side of Market Street. Okay, you should be on the other side of the boardwalk now. Keep walking straight. I want to show you another great mural. It's on the back side of the same building that the Blue Venice mural is on. It's made by a dude who was first a Venice graffiti artist. Stop at the corner, past the black fence, and look up to your right. See the mural I'm talking about? It's called St. Mark. I know, the stiff-looking dude on the mural might seem a little out of place, but hear this. The founder of our Venice is Abbot Kenny. He wanted his city to be just like Venice, Italy. So it's only right that our homeboy muralist, Jonas Never, painted Venice's Italian patron saint. That's St. Mark you're looking at. And one more fun fact. If you look at the lower right, you'll see the street sign for Zephyr Court. And Zephyr is where the Z comes from, and, of course, the Z-Boys. And look again at the mural of St. Mark. Can you spot some more skateboard insignia? Look at where his hands are. See the Dogtown cross on the book he's holding? Okay, now cross the alley and keep walking straight ahead. I'm going to switch gears a bit and take you from the past into the present and what could be the future of Venice. Okay, I'll give you a peek into the street where the latest creative types have been attracted to the energy of the neighborhood. I'm talking about the multimedia messaging tech titan, Snapchat. Can you feel the vibe change from the rest of the beach scene? As you walk, you'll see offices Snapchat leases on both sides of Market Street. There's no real signage marking Snapchat's territory, but you might notice some private security personnel. So just be cool. Stop at 64 Market Street. It's just past the first teal archway right in front of you. We'll stop here so you can see a tiny bit more evidence that the Technorati have arrived. Look at the wooden door. If you don't know, the Snapchat logo is a little ghost-like figure. It's rumored to be a riff off the Wu-Tang rapper Ghostface Killer. I heard it's called Ghostface Chilla. Do you see it? Snapchat fans are often seen taking selfies in front of door number 64. If you're into that sort of thing, just put the detour on pause and I'll rejoin you when you're done. Okay, ready? Turn around and head back to the boardwalk. Just walk back down this street the way we came. The street is quite different now from back in the 80s and 90s when celeb-filled restaurants lined these tiny streets. Now it's too quiet and corporate for the taste of many longtime Venetians. I have my opinions on Snapchat and the whole tech thing, and it's hard because growing up here, you know, you see the tech companies come in and they buy everything up, and a lot of people are displaced because of that. They bring a lot of employees in, and so the rents go up around here, and, and a lot of people that have grown up here can no longer afford it, you know? 
Keep walking straight and stop at the boardwalk. Is it good, is it bad? I don't know, what can I say? Once again, Venice has proven to bring the people that think outside the box into this area. You know, whether it's Snapchat, whether it be Google or any of these other tech companies that are here, the energy of this place, the vortex of this place sucks them in and then people end up working together and ideas flow openly here and things can develop. Venice is not your average town. There's something very special about this community. Just pause here by the sunglasses stand and look around. Take it all in. This is where Venice is. Well, Venice. This is where you have all the people, all the performers, musicians, all the vendors, and you have all the different aromas, from the salty sea breeze to kettle corn and the occasional whiff of weed. The formal name of the boardwalk is the Oceanfront Walk. See that blue street sign on the other side? It's straight ahead next to some palm trees and that trash can. Walk over to that sign and turn around to face the boardwalk. When I was a kid, it used to be a lot crazier here. There was a chainsaw juggler, there was a guy who blew fire, there was a guy who walked on glass. And you know, some of those guys are still here today. I'll tell you about them, out of the way of the foot traffic. Then we'll walk into the craziness, and you'll experience it for yourself. While you listen, look for performers up and down the boardwalk. Performers like my buddy Perry Hernandez, the guy who walks on glass. Keep a lookout. You might catch him performing on the boardwalk today. My name is Perry Hernandez. They call me the glass walker at Venice Beach. Well, I walk in broken glass. See, look down here, see? These are bottles from the bar, alcohol bottles. I break them up and I walk in there. And then I get on the chair and I jump on it. I'm from Trinidad and that's part of my culture. This place is magic. Right here, this is the University of Entertainment. In this community, people show me a lot of respect. You know what I mean? They just let me do what I'm doing and I'm making people happy and it is what it is. I go with the flow. I'm lucky today, maybe tomorrow, but someday I might just get cut. Might slow me down for a minute, but I just come back and do it again. You go to Hollywood, baby. Stay cool. Go with the flow. Wow. Perry is Venice personified, sucked in by the vortex and really living on the edge. A very sharp, glassy edge, that is. Come on, let's walk down the boardwalk with the ocean to your right. You know, when I was a kid, I used to break dance personally right here on this boardwalk. We would find spaces, we would get our linoleum out, and we would do our routines, you know? And I would practice windmills. It's basically where you're spinning on your head in a circular motion with your, you know, hands behind your back. You see the moves it takes and the agility and the strength it takes to do some of these moves break dancing. It takes that same skill to do the skateboarding. You know, it's very, very similar. Hey, you never know what you're gonna see in Venice Beach, so feel free to put the detour on pause and check it out for yourself. Maybe you can find break dancers or Perry walking on some glass. If so, give him a big tip. When you're ready, we'll meet back at the end of this block at Windward Avenue at the American flagpole. Have fun and see you at the flagpole. Are you at the flagpole? What a scene. The vortex is cranking, drawing in all kinds, right? So when I went down to Venice and I saw all the action and everyone breakdancing, plus people skateboarding, that's what drew me in. And that's part of that vortex, you know, that's what made me feel alive. I've got more to show you. Let's keep heading down the boardwalk with the ocean on your right. So as you can see, the skaters and the artists and the performers of Venice Beach are living on the edge. I mean, where else do you see surfers riding 10-foot waves? 
or skaters doing four-foot ollies, a street artist who can turn an Italian saint into a local hero, not to mention a guy who jumps onto broken glass. Talk about taking risks. These outsiders are sucked into the vortex because Venice is all about living on that edge and not being judged for it, no matter how crazy it seems. And I think that's why so many other kinds of people flock here too. Keep walking straight. I'm taking you to a part of Venice that is just as sacred for some as a skate park in the old pavilion is to me. It's another example how Venice attracts people who want to push the edge, push their bodies to its limits. I'm talking about Muscle Beach. Now, what most people don't know is that the first Muscle Beach was started in 1933, about two miles north of here, right by the Santa Monica Pier. But Santa Monica closed it in 1959, so people started coming down here to a beachfront gym called the Venice Beach Weight Pen. Here, bodybuilders were lifting heavy, heavy weights, like I'm talking 600 to 700 pound weights. And as they pushed their bodies to the limit, they started to get all this publicity. To keep Santa Monica happy, we are officially called Muscle Beach Venice. But we know our Muscle Beach really has all the juice. People like Arnold Schwarzenegger started their careers in Venice. And then Gold's Gym, which is the big gym that every bodybuilder knows, started in this Venice Beach area as well. It may be crowded today, but keep walking until you get to the weight pen on your right. Okay, stop at the blue weight pen on your right. If anybody in this crowd, anybody on this tour would be a bodybuilder, then this is the mother load. This is the throne to bodybuilding. If you're lucky, you might catch a bodybuilding competition going on. If not, there always seems to be someone working out here. Go ahead and get a good spot where you can watch. There are even some benches in front. Many of the people in the pen are bodybuilding enthusiasts, drawn here from around the world. They tell me it's kind of like a pilgrimage to come work out here where it all began. It costs $10 for a day pass, and everyone loves the show. Around the bottom of the weight pen, you can see the bronze plaques of the Muscle Beach Walk of Fame. Check it out. But unbelievably, you won't find Arnold Schwarzenegger's name among the who's who. I was told he didn't want a plaque. That's because he wants a statue. No statue yet. <laughs> but you can check out some great old photos of Schwarzenegger working out here. Look over to your right. See the small blue and white building? That's the Muscle Beach gym office. I want you to walk over to it. Take a look at the photos in the black frame next to the blue door. What makes me say, whoa, is when I see the most massive bodybuilders. Like, I don't know how humans can even get to the proportions some of these humans are getting to, so. By the way, most of the folks pumping iron won't mind if you ask to take a photo with them. You can put Detour on pause to snap some pics or get a workout in yourself. When you're ready to go, just push play, and we'll be off toward the beach, and we'll end up at a spot I really love. You ready? Let's walk away from the weight pen toward the ocean. You'll pass some bleachers on your left. I'm gonna show you the rest of Venice's fitness facilities. Walk straight ahead and look out at the gymnastics area to your left. We're gonna walk past where everyone does bar workouts and then there's rope climbs. This is part of Muscle Beach. You got gymnasts that come down and play in the area that we're walking past now. I used to do cartwheels on those balance beams. I used to do pull-ups on those bars. I've climbed those ropes in the middle of the night when no one's down here at the beach, you know? Just pushing the envelope just enough to not teeter into the darkness. <laughs> For me, these facilities 
aren't just about showing off your skills or muscles or whatever. They're about pushing through, no matter how heavy your stuff gets. Keep walking toward the beach. I want to take you to a place where Venice really begins. It's the epicenter of the Venice Vortex. When you get to the low restraining wall, make a sharp right-hand turn. Walk to the middle of the wall and stop for a second. There should be some handball courts behind you. You can lean on the wall and look out at the water. This is ground zero, the edge of the world. Look at that horizon. It has no end. Look at the waves. Some days they get 10 to 15 feet tall. For me, living on the edge means defying limits. Surfing culture created the edge in Venice. And that edge is in the very DNA of this place, see? Back in the 70s, when Dogtown was a poor slum area, the kids would flock here. They were dropouts, daredevils. For a lot of them, surfing was all they had. They rode the waves to survive. They birthed Venice culture. And I came here too. This is the place where I first learned how to surf. The waves were always testing you, pushing you to your very limit. And those Dogtown guys were tough. They tested your limits too. If you didn't live in the neighborhood, you could not go out and surf in these spots. It was almost like the good old boy club, you know what I mean? Like you were in or you were not in and you had to pay some dues to really get in. You know, I heard stories at one time, they would break glass bottles and bury them just under the surface of the sand. But everybody that was a part of the group of surfers, they knew the path. So if you didn't grow up there and didn't know the path, then chances are you're gonna get your feet cut up. Yeah, it was rough. But they were testing your commitment, you know? They didn't want kooks around, but they took in these local kids that grew up poor, that were extremely talented athletes and had kind of no direction. Those guys shaped us. They saved a lot of people's lives that didn't have direction. They really made this place. Hey, come on. I want to introduce you to another guy who shaped this place, literally. Turn to your right, keeping the ocean on your left. Up ahead, you're going to see a large 25-foot ceramic sculpture. The artist is a friend of mine, William Attaway. He's a local guy, skateboarder and surfer too. He beat out 350 other big name artists to win the commission for this tribute to our beach. And it put him and his talent on the map. Now he's well respected and nationally known, but it wasn't easy. He did it all on a regular pottery wheel and used five tons of clay and then filled it with cement. Stop for just a moment and look at the detail. Attaway did all the ceramic carvings by hand, too. Well, you can see his Venice influence in all the art he does, you know? He has waves, he has a little bit of sand. I think I see the influence of the grittiness and how it flows creatively. Where the debris meets the sea is what they say about Venice, you know? It's Los Angeles County's, like, gutter. You know, there's a lot of that within his art. You know, I believe there's a lot of that within the surf community. There's a lot of that within the skate community, you know? We're kind of multifaceted in that way. And I know it took him a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get this gigantic piece of art done. And here it is. He calls it Dreams Come True. And I think that's an important part of the reason people are drawn to Venice. It's a lofty goal, but when you push that edge, when you take that risk, at least you have a chance at that. If you don't have a place to try, you'll never get there. Walk left towards the kids' playground. I used to bring my son Taj here. It was great fun for him. I love having Taj grow up in this community and be around this energy. Walk through the playground towards the gate. If it's closed, open it and go through it. 
but make sure you close it behind you. You should be at the gate. So now we're gonna walk out of this gate and there's a little seating area right here, you know, where I sometimes come and sit and check out the surf. If I sit here and I really check out this ocean and I really kind of go deep, it's like a, a movie playing in my head, you know, I can see these clips of the chainsaw juggler and the fire blower and the skateboard action and the jump ramps and the pavilion and it's a beautiful scene to have those things flash in my mind. You can be whatever you want to be here and no one's going to look twice at you. So I think living on the edge for me is constantly taking risks in life. Life's going to be hard, you're going to fall down, but that's what skateboarding's taught me to get back up, you know, keep going. You have to just go for it. If you hesitate skateboarding and you don't really go for it, chances are you get hurt. As you get older, you know, that edge becomes a little wider, <laughs> you know? Maybe now you want to sit back in your chair on the edge and kind of look at the view a little bit. But I don't know. It makes me feel alive. Thank you all so much for coming along on this tour with me. And I really hope you guys felt it, you know, and I'm really glad you took me with you. But for now, I got to go. Got to get back to the skate park. My son's waiting for me. He told me he wants to show me a new trick, so I'm on my way. All right, later. <laughs>